All aboard, everyone. Welcome to the Winging It F1 podcast. It is the Turkish Grand Prix review episode. I'm Freddie Coates. I'm going to be your host today. And I'm joined with two excellent co-presenters who absolutely know their stuff when it comes to the Turkish Grand Prix of 2021. We're going to espouse some opinions. We're going to criticise things. We're probably going to disagree on things. Yes, because it's us. I'm here with Adam Dickinson and Nigel Chu. How are you guys? Adam, tell us how you are. Apparently... You were hit by a tornado last night. Well, not me physically. The, it, oh. it didn't like hit me in the face and then it like hit me with you. a cow and then just like walk cow. off to Kansas tornado. to take not Dorothy. Yeah, you, you yeah, should have seen the other guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was good. I had a good weekend in Dallas over the weekend and shouted a lot, which is why this podcast will be a good test of my voice. And <laughs> yeah, and then came back to a tornado running through Norman. So that was interesting, but it wasn't like we're fine. It didn't. I think it missed us or it didn't touch down until after us. So we got some time in the storm shelter, which is an indoor basketball court. But there are people sitting under the basket, so we can play, which is disappointing but rude you know you move Nigel any stormy experiences for you uh no oh no well are you doing okay yeah excellent this is is the kind of high quality um meandering you get on a podcast podcast you know they're they're, they're mediums of lots of conversation and narrative say yes or no What did you Open think about questions. your feelings at the moment, Nigel? Well, that's a good question. That's a very that's a great question. What do I think about? Uh, I'm not sure. Is the answer that, oh, that see, one. if I ask a question mm. that's got any substance to it, you don't know anything. So, I've got to yeah. give you. I've got to spoon feed you questions. So that's the kind of thing. <laughs> um, so let's start with the big topic of the race. Actually, no, it's a topic of the race, it- and. Nigel, we're going to start with you. I'm going to ask you the first question and then we can get into the topic. So, Nigel, who won the race? It, what, which race? The Turkish Grand Prix of 2021. You... Uh, the F1 one. Uh, it was Valtteri Bottas. <laughs> cool, thank you. Adam, now, because Nigel's given us his statement, his one words, you can uh, Two give words. us an opinion on Valtteri Bottas' win. Oh, I thought you were going to ask me who won, but then, like, I wasn't allowed to say the same person as Nigel because that's what we do for predictions. And then, like, I just have to make up someone else. I you could a good predict win, the result of a race that's already happened, yes. Okay, I think Bottas is going to win. <laughs> anyway, that's not someone I different think, to what Nigel said. I, I was just like, I don't know. I don't know where this drive came from, really. Like, he's been consistently bad in the wet and then just out of nowhere, he had a really good race. He said after the race, he thought it was one of his best ever, which I'd agree with. And, yeah, he just seemed to have it under control. It's one of those races where you don't really see the leader that much because they're just out ahead, doing fine. There's under no pressure. You know, with Verstappen behind him as well. And he had Verstappen behind him for the majority of the race and he just seemed fine with it. He, yeah, I, I, I'm... Just slightly confused more than anything as to where this kind of wet weather Bottas has been for seven years or how not seven, six, five, something like that. But yeah, it's it's good for Valtteri. I'm glad he got a win this season before he went to Alfa Romeo. And yeah, nice for him. He didn't he didn't say like F you or anything on the radio, which was a bit of a shame, but <laughs> Mercedes gave us a Valtteri, it's James uh, message at the end. So you know the memes can carry on coming. No, brilliant drive. No, absolutely fantastic drive. Didn't put a foot wrong. Uh, and like Adam said, it's strange that this is 
come out of nowhere because normally he doesn't have the best record in the wet when he's been at Mercedes. But this has to be arguably his best win in F1 out of his 10 wins. So fantastic effort. Uh, he knew as well that Howardson would have his grid penalty as early as Friday, perhaps even before, because the team probably would have talked about it for a week or two. So he delivered when the pressure was on, took points away from the staff and Mercedes outscored Red Bull as well, thanks mainly thanks to Bottas's win. So it was a perfect job, really. And he probably he deserves a win as well. I think he's driven pretty. I think he's driven pretty well overall. And yeah, it was good. Good. Good that he's got got the win. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's much to add. He just didn't make any mistakes at all. It always looked like it, it was going to happen, really. Yeah, what did I you agree. Give him in your ratings nine. He didn't, he didn't get, didn't get, he didn't get he didn't qualify first. That's true. He got a pole, but he didn't yeah. qualify first. Um, yeah, fair enough. I think I completely agree with it. Just never looked like anyone else could win this race, even when Leclerc was in the lead. Um, and you know, going for that gamble, which we'll talk about later on the tyres, it just kind of felt he he was ragged. But Bottas just had everything under control, and I think for Leclerc to keep the pace in the early stints with. Bottas and Verstappen was because Bottas and Verstappen had it under control. And I think Leclerc was just pushing and pushing and pushing so hard to actually keep that pace. But he did well with that. We'll get onto that, I'm sure. But um, I think, yeah, I do. I think what made this amazing was how much pace Bottas had in hand. He went two seconds quicker than, like, a second quicker on his final lap than everyone else. That was his final lap of the race. He was just like, you know what? I can push now. Oh, I can't. I really can push now. And he just, well, he dominated it on pace, really, at the end. He had so much in hand. And I think I think he did a really good job. And he didn't crack under the pressure, which he sometimes does. And that's crucial. I think this and Monza, he's been two of his best drives in a long, long time, I think. I think the key moment was, because Verstappen was about two When he was sacked. Oh. <laughs> he was two to three <laughs> seconds behind uh, Verstappen for most of the first stint. But then... Just before he pitted, Bottas pulled out about five second gaps, mm. and then that undercut threat completely went. So that was a crucial moment, and it goes with what you said, Freddie, about having pace in hand. Yeah, uh, you know whether that's the Mercedes car or or Bottas, you know, being out in front in, in the wet conditions. I probably both mm. probably so. Well, I was going to yeah, ask you: Do you think job. it is more? Do you think it is just absolute driver and machine working in absolute harmony? Because the Mercedes has looked the class of the field this weekend more than uh, probably at any point in the year. I think. Um, yeah, from, from, well, from Mercedes side, maybe I, I maybe think, Portugal, but apart from that, I think the last three weekends Mercedes have been quite clearly ahead for me, uh, and they haven't quite taken full advantage of that. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think Red Bull, we're thinking they've got a bit of catching up to do, but you know you have to uh, do what you can with the tools, and that's what what I said. But yeah, I do think the car definitely played a part. I'd say. First consecutive Mercedes wins since Portimao and Barcelona, um, mm, I think. Yeah. And only the second time we've had consecutive Mercedes wins this year, which is testament Surprising. to either their mistakes and to Red Bull's success. Um, Adam, uh, what do you think of um, the fact that, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a question. Do you have anything else to say? On the At race... All. On yes. Bottas. On Bottas. I do you think we should um, just cut the podcast here, but um, do you think Bottas no. has got more coming this season this way? Then do you think there's a mindset shift that's helped? 
Well, let's Maybe. put it this way. If Hamilton was in pole position, Bottas probably wouldn't have won, would he? Yeah, I think if it was a straight was fight. That's, yeah. that's what I was going to say. I think, you know, it a bit like Nigel said with Ricardo after Spa, I think there is kind of that element of his teammate who was also in the most dominant car wasn't there. So, yeah, I think, you know, it would depend on how the championship fight goes between... Um, Verstappen and Hamilton, you know, I, I think maybe, you know, just the having his moves to Alfa Romeo released and kind of it's all out that there's no kind of having to drive for the seat or anything like that might have helped with a mindset shift. We've seen that with other drivers over the past few years, but I think circumstance is the main thing. If I think if Mercedes have a faster car and Hamilton isn't there, we can see more of it but I think if there's a closer gap to Red Bull and Verstappen and Hamilton you know is in that window or Hamilton is in that window to be honest it didn't have to be both then I I think you know we'll have to kind of wait for that to really know if it is a permanent mindset shift or not but it's nice to see him being happy again and winning definitely is definitely is um one driver who obviously didn't pose a challenge but got the best he could really this weekend I think is Max Verstappen I think second place because of Hamilton's engine, pretty decent. Because I think this could well have been a nailed on Merck one too, if um, Hamilton hadn't had his ICE penalty. Um, you said at the end of the race that the hardest part was staying awake, um, which raised a few eyebrows and brought a few chuckles. Um, just doing the job, really. I think that's all we can really yeah. say. He had good pace in qualifying. Um, Nigel, me and you were talking off the podcast earlier about this maybe not necessarily being his strongest weekend because of the car characteristics. Yeah, I just think Red Bull was slower. Uh, and, I, and I think they've been so the last three races. Yet, weirdly, Verstappen has uh, had one more point than Hamilton from Monza, Sochi, and now Turkey. Uh, so I wouldn't have expected that. I, I thought, you know, Hamilton can at least gain 15 points over these three races, or even with Verstappen's good penalty and stuff. Verstappen, kind of like Alonso in 2012, he's just like maximised the last few races or a couple of races. Yes, you know, he had some luck last time out, but he, you know, he is maximising his results, and that's all you, all you can do if you're in a car that's a bit slower. So, uh, yeah, he didn't really make any mistakes in practice, he didn't quite look completely, completely on it, but you know, when it matters most, uh, he was there. I guess, yeah, like where, where he should be. And I think it was bold from Red Bull to be the first of the lead cars to pit as well, because you know, no one knew at that time whether we, uh, you shouldn't have pitted or not, but they were the first ones to pit with uh, uh, about 20 laps ago, wasn't it, with, when, when, when the Verstappen pitted. So I thought that was a great, well, it was the perfect move, wasn't it? Uh, because then he came out ahead of Perez and Hamilton. So, yeah, I think, I think he'll be happy with how the last couple of weekends have gone. Yeah, I think if you look at apologies, if you look at the um, Austria weekends where Red Bull clearly had the pace advantage and Verstappen gained twenty points on Hamilton over those two races, so to have a similarish situation over the last three and like you say to not lose any grounds to actually gain some ground is pretty pretty fantastic for Verstappen. I think he'll be really happy as long as they believe that there's more coming on the horizon. Yeah, you know, that's got to be the key. Come, mm. this is a kind of general pace shift to um, 
Mercedes, then Red Bull are in trouble, really, because I don't think they can carry on doing this forever. But, you know, you'd imagine there will be some races over the season where they do come back stronger. I don't know, maybe Brazil, they kind of... Yeah, it's a topic Recently for another podcast, really. Yeah, yeah, but you've you know, got six I think... races to go, and I think probably um, Cota's fair game for both, but Mexico, Brazil, Red Bull, and the other three, I think, that Middle East trio, I think Mercedes. Um, yeah. And I'd say, arguably, at this point, I mean, uh, we'll probably talk about this more um, in between Cota and now, but um, I would say, arguably, this is the, the point of the season since really May, that it's looked sort of most favourite for Mercedes rather than Rebel. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Adam? Yeah, I'll agree. <laughs> he doesn't want to agree, does he? He doesn't no, want no, to agree. No, no. I just, I'd, I'd, I'd not thought about it enough when Freddie said it and I couldn't <laughs> think about it quick enough to mount a lot of defence or agreement either way. Hmm. So, yeah. we'll talk about that more in the future because it is a big topic when you talk about car performance and championship and six races still six races yeah. to go it's the start of october we've got six races still to go it's crazy um but yeah third place was sergio perez a return to the podium um not since paul ricard has he been on the podium his third podium for red bull racing um he should have been on the podium much sooner but that, that was a good drive it's the driver needed to do the drive that was needed apart from qualifying the race recovered he recovered from qualifying well in the race i think um and yeah, nice, nice little defense of Hamilton. One of the most exciting bits of races I've seen from yeah. them two in ages, really. Absolutely. And he managed his tyres as well pretty well. I knew he was probably one of the fastest drivers uh, on the second set of intermediates, which helped him attack Leclerc, caught Leclerc, then overtook him uh, to get to get onto the podium. And the battle with Hamilton was that was good hard racing, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I absolutely it loved that. Even though like the Mercedes are straight line speed, absolutely ridiculous. But Perez on the brakes, brakes super late uh, at turn twelve and turn one, <laughs> and held off Hamilton just so. Great racing, great great racecraft from from both drivers actually. It was an absolute yeah, I... send into turn one. Yeah, Adam. Yeah. No, I was just going to say like along the same lines. I think when when I saw it happen, I thought he's going off. Like mm-hmm. I, I did not think he'd stay on the track at all there. And then, like, he did, he just, I don't know, he seemed to have, like, twice as much grip as Hamilton, which was just, yeah, mind-blowing, really. I thought Hamilton had set up the move really well through kind of this back half, back third of the track. And, you know, it's just like the last thing, he he, he was nearly ahead by a car length on the straight. He tried to move over to the inside, but he just wasn't far enough ahead. And then, yeah, Perez, I, I don't know. I don't know if he has, like, more brakes or, like, he's talking to, like, the tarmac gods or whatever but something <laughs> something worked very well for him and yeah he was able to stick it up the inside break far later than Hamilton and keep the position so yeah I really enjoyed that one of the better pieces spoke, of on-track action he spoke about it after the race and um he he just said yeah I just hope just went for it and it worked yeah. which is great um so I was, I, I've got I've got a lot of respect for that um he said that Max owes him a couple of tequilas as well because, um, <laughs> because of the job he did to hold him up. Because really, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot to say about if Hamilton had got past where he could have ended up. There's a lot of what yeah. ifs on Hamilton's race, which we're going to talk about now. But Lewis Hamilton obviously uh, started in eleventh place after qualifying in first place um, with a really dominant qualifying session. Actually, 
really in Q2 particularly he was just way ahead of everyone else I think he was like six or seven tenths clear um if if I'm on if I'm right um obviously not if I'm wrong um, but yeah and he had to come through the field he spent a few laps behind Sonoda but then really sort of started picking them off until he got to Perez where he got a little bit more held up but then came the question of whether to hang out for the whole race on the set of intermediates that he started on and that's where things go a bit awry. Eventually, after a lot of debate with the team um, and with no opportunity of being ahead of Perez or being ahead of even Leclerc, um, Amazon eventually did come into pit and ended up coming back out from track position of third place into fifth place. And because of the, what's the word, strange, bizarre, weird, unusual, bad nature of Pirelli tyres, um, they go through a ridiculous graining stage and then that meant they're just kind of bumpy and uneven tyres before they get to a kind of slick to immediate. Um, which makes them quick. Which makes them quick. <laughs> so they go slow. Which then essentially, quick. <laughs> they, yeah, they go slow and then they get to a basically a really soft tyre yeah. that has longevity and can work at low temperatures. So a really good dry tyre. But anyway, um, but before, to, before they get to that, they lose all pace and they left that too late in the race to get any of that pace. And it was just consolidating the position and points for Hamilton. Now, Nigel, what do you think What do you think Hamilton and Mercedes should have done? Do you think they should have pitted? Do you think they should have gone for the gamble and stayed out? Do you think they should have done anything different? They should have... Hamilton should have listened first time. He should have pitted when the team told him to. Because then I reckon he would have had fourth place because, you know, Leclerc... Went a lot longer, didn't he? And then, so how to would have gone through the, through the graining phase, and then he would have had fast pace when Leclerc was on his outlaps or something like that. So, I think how to made a mistake. I don't think, I think Mercedes, but the thing is, once he didn't hit, they probably should have committed because if you go for like a halfway house strategy, it never really works. You got to, you got to commit one way or the other, and they didn't. Uh, but equally, I don't think they could have afforded a puncture or sort you know, to lose 10, 12 points. If because if you look if you look at Ocon's pace and Ocon's tires at the end, they had a hole in the, in the right front tire, and, and Ocon didn't didn't pit. So it was a cautious strategy, but they probably pitted too late. The communication didn't sound that great either because Halton didn't know he was going to lose two places. But it's not the worst mistake strategy-wise Mercedes have done this year. You know, I always bang on about strategy because I'm an absolute strategy, strategy, strategy nerd. Uh, but you know, it's only they've only lost to me probably three points. I don't, I don't, I think a podium was unlikely. So three-point loss isn't too bad, and I think they've made worse calls this year. So I'm, I'm not gonna beat them up too much for it. Not even a three-point yeah. loss. Two-point loss. <clears throat> Yeah, so yeah. I think that point's really crucial to remember is like, you know, it, it's not really that much on the grand scheme of things. Um, you know, I, I agree. I think Hamilton should have listened the first time and pitted and then, you know, had the chance to go for it at the end. But yeah, it's it's not the worst thing in the world. Um I think it it's just yeah, like you say, maybe miscommunication. You didn't know what position he was when he came out of the pits um to fifth. So yeah, I just think, you know, it's after Russia where they made the right strategy call kind of against Hamilton's better judgment, or that's what it felt like at the time. Um, you know, I don't know 
I don't know kind of whether that affected the balance or whether they, this time they wanted to listen to him or, you know, I don't know whether that had an effect or not. But regardless, yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's one of those, it's, it's a few points and, yeah, you know, I think if they, if they can learn from this, that'll be the main thing because, you know, they, like Nigel says, they've made a few strategy errors this season and, you know, that's just what's costing them in the fight at the moment, really, above anything else. So, yeah, it's it's one of those. They'll move to America and they'll carry on. It's not, you know, it's, it's not terminal for their title fight at all. Just on the qualifying as well, I think it's the first time that Hamilton has topped all three sessions since Bahrain last year. So it's been oh, a wow. long time um, for someone who is generally one of the best qualifiers that. around. And yeah, so very dominant from him. Wasn't able to turn it into a race win, obviously, but he'll move. Yeah, Adam, you raised the point that I was going to say about, yeah, we just come off the back of a race where Merck's all-seeing knowledge of strategy from a strategy will paid off. And there's, you know, there's every reason to have believed it would have uh, like you guys have said, taking the safe option. That the reason Leclerc took the gamble was because he's Leclerc. He's seventh in the championship. He's he's well, what is it like one hundred and fifty points off the lead, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, to go for a win, which um, Ferrari don't often have. And whereas Mercedes are in the fight for a title, and you've got to consolidate, you've got to buckle down. He was in a damage limitation race already all through the build-up to the weekend as we've got to limit the damage, limit the damage, limit the damage. They were doing a fantastic job by doing that already by not letting Verstappen win the race, keeping Verstappen in the best he could do in second, um, which meant that the difference is so little anyway in between the two comparatively. The gap in the championship is still less than a win. So if Hamilton goes out and gets first place in... Kota uh, next race and Verstappen comes second with the fastest lap, then they're level on points, but Hamilton would be presumably in the lead. Um, I don't know, actually, maybe Verstappen would be on countback, but I don't know, but they'd be level. Um, so there's, it's, it's not like it's put him like out of action. Like, it's not like he's been in the lead and then he's pitted and come out 10th. It's, he was in third place, but probably wouldn't have stayed there and would have become, would have been probably fifth anyway, I think. Mm. So maybe so what, fourth, depending on Leclerc's graining stage. We don't know. But What complicates it is that, in my opinion, Howardson is the best driver in the field on his tyres, as, I mean, as we've seen multiple mm. times over the years. So then there is that thing that he could have made it work. And if he maintained his lap times, even with per- Perez's pace, he would have been on the third. But it's just that question of whether his tyres would have fell off the cliff. But... He's just so good with his ties, isn't he? So that's what that's the only thing that's in the it's kind of in the back of my head thinking maybe they should have gone for it. But ultimately, I, it was probably the right call, just a bit too late. But I think yeah, for me, if it were a, thing. if it were like a, a C2, C1 hard tyre, maybe. But mm. I think because it was the intermediate, which is a tyre that is such an unknown. I mean, it's been a relatively similar compound since sort of 2018, 2017 anyway, yeah. but you don't get consistent intermediate running. That's so rare to get an intermediate phase that's 20 laps or more anyway. And even in practice, they had some intermediate running, but Mercedes did what? Three laps in practice? In practice three. Five laps. Five laps. There we go. So, like, there's no intermediate knowledge. It's a hard tire to take risks on in that stage in a championship fight, I think. 
yeah that's that's what i was exactly about to say that it's you know if if it was a tie they knew more about you know i'd say fair enough we know how good hamilton is i mean look at bahrain at the start of the season for some mega defensive driving on on tires but you know it's, if it goes wrong then they're losing 10 to 15 points it's you know it's just not worth yeah. it at all at this yeah. stage so mm-hmm. yeah i think it's it's just not something that they can really risk because that really puts them on the back foot as it is their six points behind Verstappen. You know, if it's so much further behind, that would have been a big issue. If he goes out and wins at Austin next week or next race, then, you know, they'll be back in the lead of the championship. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it, it's just not worth it for Mercedes. And like you say, Leclerc was in first and seventh in the championship. He had the chance to go with that gamble and fair play. But Yeah, I think that's been the general consensus post-race is that the, the, the team... There's, you know, it could have probably been done better, but it's worked out all right. It's not awful. It's it's the way it goes. And to be honest, there probably wasn't anything too better that could have been done at that time. They put themselves in the position and it's worked out fine. There's been a lot going around about Lewis being annoyed about it. But yeah, because he just he racing driver trusts his gut. But like we've said, sometimes the pit wall with all their computers and all their strategy and all their knowledge, particularly in a strange race with, where the conditions weren't going to change, uh, like like yesterday, where the conditions were relatively level for the whole thing, where they can, it's rare in a wet race where the strategy calls can be made with sort of such certainty from the pit bull. But in this one, it was, it was there was a possibility of it, so that was fine, really. And yeah, Ocon obviously did do the full fifty-eight lap race and one set of intermediates, um, which <laughs> again we're all for, we're all for a bit of a bold strategy. And it, it got him 10th place, got him a point. Yeah. But he was five seconds slower than Giovinazzi on the last lap. And Giovinazzi wasn't actually that fast that race. He, he, yeah. he, he denied team orders at one point. Um, that's yeah. how slow he was. Um, and, yeah. So I think there's every possibility that Hamilton could have finished in seventh, eighth behind Norris and Gasly. And if Gasly hadn't had his five-second penalty, probably definitely in sixth but it's worked out nice yeah we've touched on um, Charles Leclerc going for the win Uh, he had a really good weekend I think Um, um, qualifying third and being able to stick at the pace early on and then when Bottas and uh, Verstappen were pit he ended up in the lead and they just thought you know what what the hell let's go for the win and I thought it was really fun for a bit Um, what did you guys make of it Adam did you think did you, at any point did you think this might work? Um, I didn't think it would work in terms of the win. There, I mean, there was one point where he said, so do I have to stop? <laughs> like, he, <laughs> so will I have to stop at all? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, good weekend for him overall. And he kind of got himself in the position to, I, I don't think win, but maybe fight for a podium position. And in the end, it didn't work out for him. But, you know, to, he started fourth he finished fourth with Hamilton kind of rampaging up from behind and he had the, you know, he was in the race lead for a while and had the chance to go for the win. So I think that counts as a pretty good weekend really for him. And he wasn't after Hamilton pitted, he wasn't really under pressure at the end of the race either. So I think a very good weekend for Charles Leclerc, really. It would have been cool if it had one. I don't know when the last no stopper win was, but 
been very, it would have been the last trivia question. It was the 1996 Monaco Grand Prix when Olivier Panis won for Ligia. Not, oh, there we go. Not when? 2005. When... Oh, it still had pit stops though, arguably. Oh, God, yeah. For tyres, yeah. Tyres, yeah. Not yeah. Yet. That's true, yeah. Um, but yeah, like that would have been very impressive and it didn't happen, but yeah, again, I think started fourth, finished fourth, good weekend for him. Yeah, I thought for a couple of laps when the gap was stable and Bottas was probably probably going through the grid and like he might he might do it, uh, but then his tires just, just fell off the cliff. He probably probably gave away a podium because he was only about uh, it was a few seconds behind Verstappen, wasn't he? So he pitted at a similar time. I think Leclerc would have been on the podium, but you have to go for it, don't you? If you if you're Ferrari or, or or any team like that, so I don't blame them for it. And I think what was impressive was. In the first half of the race, he was staying with Bottas and Verstappen. I thought he would start to fall back, but he, to keep it off, he was doing mm. some fastest laps as well. So that was really, really good. Strong call find as well. He pulled a big lap out at the end of at the very end of Q3. So yeah, what a, a very, very strong weekend from, from Charles Leclerc. I think his early pace is what didn't help his no-stop attempt at the end. Because like you mm. say, he was pushing and pushing and pushing. He was closer to Max than Max was to Valtteri. Um, and like you said earlier there was a five or six second gap between Bottas and Verstappen when they pit but Leclerc was two seconds at points one and a half seconds behind Verstappen and I think that's probably pushing at that level probably didn't help him when he was going out on his own later on down the line I think then he didn't really have a reference for tyre wear or anything like that and he was just on his own and on worn tyres and he had a few nasty locks a few nasty moments um, where he did lose a chunk of time. He would lose like two and a half seconds. A couple of times he had big de- deficits at that point, um, which in the long run probably kept him fourth place because it meant that he was overtaken by Bottas sooner. But um, would probably, if he if he'd sort of, if this plan had been, you know, thought about earlier on, they could have said, oh, we're going to do plan D or something. And <laughs> no, no one would know about it. Only Leclerc would be like, okay, cool. I've got to conserve a lot early on to get to the end. and it'd be more like plan QQ57 or something. It's like that far down the pecking order, probably. But um, The new James Bond character. Yeah, QQ57. <laughs> it could but, be um, SO, SOF, stay out forever. That could work as well. Yeah, yeah the SOF strategy. Um, <laughs> but if, if they planned that earlier on, maybe it would have had a chance. And I think that's probably similar with Ocon. Probably if they planned it earlier, and with Hamilton again, it would have paid off a bit better. But it's one of those ones on the hoof that, you may as well try. You may as well have a bit of fun. Yeah. And it was a bit of fun and definitely lost yeah. him the podium. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. Exactly. Completely. No. Someone who wasn't fighting for the podium and definitely <laughs> lost everything was Sebastian Vettel, who made a gamble to go on slicks. Hooray! It wasn't a gamble. It was just stupid. I mean, if you, like, I, the, draw was, the track was nowhere near drawing. Well, oh, it was a bit near. of fun, though. Oh, yeah, but it probably cost him points, isn't it? So, yeah, uh, whatever. I don't know. It it never looked like it was going to be dry, especially at that point in the race. So, I'm not sure what Vettel was thinking because, uh, you know, four time world champion, 14 I don't know why experience. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, why would he go <laughs> mediums as well? Like, go on the soft if you're going to do it. So, it was a bizarre choice because there was hardly even a dry line at the end of the race. So, and that, that's what you need. So, 
just a bit of a blunder, I guess. <laughs> I think they just yeah. wanted to go for something ridiculous to just see what would happen. I mean, I think they probably felt, oh, we're not going to get anywhere. We're in a bit of a, a no man's land here. It's dangerous, like especially when they went through turn eight. Like, my it, it, God. Did be- it did become that a little bit kind of like, oh my goodness me, you're going so slowly. Normally you pull up if you're going at that pace. You'd be where, told to pull up. Where was he when he pitted? Eleven or twelve to one. Yeah. yeah. He probably yeah. he would have I mean, he probably would have got tenth place, really. I mean, that's maybe the thing, lost like, one point. Yeah, I think I don't know. That's the thing though, like if there didn't seem to be any kind of rhyme or reason to the decision. Like it's it's just kind of like going for a gamble for the sake of going for a gamble. It uh, it just seems like a really bizarre you know, I'm all for yeah. teams trying things, but only when there's some like modicum of sense to that. You know, if you had you I know, think there if was there'd a... Been a couple of crashes up ahead, then he would have, you know, made a, a few positions. Like it just seems a pull this into gamble away, you know, a few points based off astronomically small chance of making up ground. I think there was a um a kind of thought with kind of like, well, these inters are so slick anyway. Maybe if we can heat these up, if we can get a little bit of heat, maybe. But then that makes you think, well, why are they going, not going to the soft tyres, which is a bit of a friendlier tyre for that kind of thing. Mm. Um, but I think, yeah, it was just, uh, I think Vettel said something like, it was tempting to try. Yeah. And I can get that. If you're, in 11th, if, if you're in 11th and you're sort of just on a cusp and you don't know how the race is going to play out, you don't know what's going to happen later on. And you think maybe, maybe there's, you know, even if it is a 25-75 kind of thing, why yeah, I think he had a bit of a... It was a 95-5. That's <laughs> yeah. being generous. I, can't, I get it from a racist perspective of let's do something rather than just plod along. Okay. Yeah, and so and you guys have nothing else to say on that, clearly. <laughs> no. Yeah, it was... I mean, yeah. Zero I mean, were hero, and it was I'm definitely zero. Um, oh, yeah. And I think, they've, I think they've not even tried to shy from that. Um <laughs> Imagine if they defended it. That would be amazing. Yeah. I'd love it if they came out with a statement and were like, I can see all defend our decision. Doing that, to be fair. <laughs> I can see Lawrence Stroll doing it. Um, <laughs> big old boss man. Um, my little rakes after Anyway. Well, um, other questionable calls this weekend were the five-second penalty for Pierre Gasly for yeah. his lap one incident with Alonso, um, where he was... He did nothing wrong and got a five-second penalty. Is that how you describe it? Yeah, I mean, he got sandwiched, didn't he? I mean, he, he could have got a little bit more to the inside, but even if he did, I still, I still think he would have been contact. Yeah, yeah, all that. So I'm not really sure. It's just a three into one doesn't go, and it was your classic turn one incident, I think. Uh, so I don't really understand the penalty uh, for that. Yeah, nothing else to add. I don't think it was, it was a very one of the strangest penalty decisions this year. I think. What do you think, Adam? Yeah, I disagree. No, I think when when I first saw it, to be fair, I thought that should be a penalty. But then looking back, it's kind of I think once once you see it from all angles, it yeah, it just seem it just seemed quite harsh. I think. Um, I, I think it was quite impressive of Alonso to actually know it was. 
Gasly that hit him, to be honest, as he was spinning, because, you know, it's chaos at the start, especially in a wet race. So to have that spatial awareness, I think, speaks volumes about Alonso. But on the wider point, yeah, it's, I, I think it, I think it's pretty rough. I don't know whether they're kind of going off, you know, giving more penalties at the start well, of the um, season or what. Well, but... In the official um, a document about the penalty, there's a quote that I saw that I thought was kind of wrong that said, it, um, the stewards do not consider this incident as an unavoidable lap one, turn one contact between two cars. As Gasly was not sandwiched between two cars when he touched Alonso's car. So I think what they're saying there is Alonso had overtaken him too much at that point because it was front right to rear left. And let's, I'm trying to get into their mindset there because the reason Gasly was where he was was because Alonso had overtaken him. Was was overtaking him because Perez had made a pretty decent start. Um, it wasn't, and Gasly gave room to a car, and didn't block one car, and in doing so, another car overtook him. And because the overtake was going well, that means that Gasly should be penalised. That's kind of what I'm reading into there, and I, I do think it was a lap one turn one racing incident. To be honest, mm. I don't think I think I don't think the stewards really have many legs to stand on. I mean, I know they I do have normally, legs, but no, normally with Sorry. with penalties like this, then there should be a kind of way of looking at it after the penalty and going. So, in future, drivers should do this to avoid a penalty and whatever. Like that's kind of the way the way I think about it, and I really don't see what like he could have done any differently here. As soon as they went into the first corner at a racetrack, like. You know, there's, yeah, there's going to be there's going to be cars three wide. There's going to be cars three wide on You're three right. wide on the first corner of a F1 race. So, yeah, I, yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty harsh. I quite liked uh, Alonso then just like ramming Schumacher later on <laughs> some kind of retaliation. But yeah, well, we'll anyway. move on to that now um, because that was <laughs> arguably a justifiable five second penalty as Alonso's race fell apart. Um, trying to get back at back at it and he just dive bombed and. Made probably um, a Perez esque lunge, if you will, but wasn't Perez doing it on Hamilton and was also further back um, into um, not really an overtaking place on the track. Spun Schumacher around um, and got given a five, the same penalty that <coughs> um, Gasly got. I mean, yeah. I would. I would just like to say as well, it was a really neat spin from Alonso on the first corner to actually. It was he well held? Yeah, um, it was a shame that it was the first corner because he probably. If it was later in the race, he might not have lost that much time or position from it. But, but yeah, like I think that was a much more clear-cut penalty, really. It was just a misjudgment and punting Schumacher, really. It's the kind of thing you see in, in unranked online racing a lot. Um, but, yeah, like I, I don't really see how it makes sense that they're the same penalty. But, yeah, stewards. Yeah, well, Gasly uh, got the same I... amount of penalty points as Bottas did for Term 1 at Hungary. Um, yeah. So, who knows? I think, I don't, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know whether that's kind of what influenced them. Whether they thought, points? well, we, well, we gave, uh, you know, this amount of penalties. Oh, but that was so and, different. I I, oh, I know. I, co- I completely yeah. know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know, It'd but I just, you know, I, that's the only thing I can think of is whether they thought, well, we like were harsh on the turn one incident there, so we need to be like have kind of put our foot down a bit more here. Like that's the only real yeah. thinking I can get every year. Every year we always <laughs> seem to think there should be consistent stewards. And I wonder why we think that. Um 
maybe they should have the same stewards at every race because they have the same uh, race director, and the same drivers. <laughs> Shock. Not um, always, to be fair. Not always. always. Different ones. Yeah, they're different ones to last year. Driver this weekend because Alan van der Merwe doesn't like to get vaccinated. Um, oh <laughs> That's not uh, last, year, last year's Turkish Grand Prix, we had some different drivers, and you know things change. We had oh, true. Danny Kvyat, yeah, Danny um, Kvyat. So they do change the drivers, just not with the same regularity. Adams of the third card guest car wild card every race um, group, which I am too. I think we should do have a wild card. F1 category um, like I mean, to be fair, last, was at um, DTM this weekend um, last, last year I wanted to instead of like doing the Covid calendar that we did you wanted I wanted to, to do stick, an F1, drive an F1 race instead I, I, I <laughs> wanted to like stick with the original one and just have races like twice a week every week until like December and then like you just have a rotating cast of drivers coming in and out like each team would have four they'd that bring it it'd be fantastic <laughs> No, you do the original calendar. That was the whole point. It's a way to keep the original calendar on going. So you saw in Australia oh, do the whole like, 23 races and that'd be fantastic. And then you'd have like midweek races and you could just have like bang qualifying, bang race. And then you've got like some random guy in a car, like Ragunathan in a car, just like driving around. It's like, hey, that's fun. And then it would have been amazing, but it didn't happen. So there we are. You'd like IndyCar, Adam. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah there's a few other little talking points um, do we think Hamilton should have taken this penalty for his engine just yes or no um, no is Unless that in hindsight it was for some kind of reliability <clears throat> issue but if it was tactical I am in the camp that it was completely wrong I've, I always, I always, I've thought you know over, over the last few weeks that they should do it in Mexico but you know can't they, overtake they in Mexico the DRS doesn't work there yeah, but the field spreads out more. Cars often get like lapped up to like fifth place because like there's, there's a bigger difference between the midfield and the and the front cars for me. Adam, so yeah. I think in hindsight, I, at the start of the weekend, I was like, nah. I think in hindsight, maybe I think it was a bit of a better decision. I think having Bottas on song really helped yeah. that. But yeah, it's kind of the. Especially if he'd been able to finish third, that would have been a really good result, um, as it was. I don't, I don't think it's the worst decision, kind of looking back at it. But, you know, it's... Yeah, it, it's, well, it's one of those. Is, if I think it would have been this kind of position wherever he was, if I'm honest. I, I if agree. If it was Cota, if it was um, Mexico, if it was Jeddah, maybe. Um, if you yeah, say that, right, then there's something wrong. But I kind of feel like maybe fifth or fourth would have been it anyway. What? If they've got an issue, this engine is going to be on the limit to do seven races, isn't it? Well, it's not going to so do all of them. The that's the thing. It's to introduce a new one to the pool. I don't know. You it's to take the stress off all three of them, not to, not so to even if, punish cause, one. Because the last engine has only done, what, three races? Exactly. So now they've got, they've got essentially an engine. Two that, races on Spa, actually. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's got... Um, it's got a little bit in it to just kind of, they've got a bit of leeway. They don't have to have that. Um, yeah, but if they've got a problem, which is what they're saying, then, you know. Well, yeah, but they're yeah. not saying they've got a problem with a specific engine. They're saying they had a problem with Bottas's engine and that's given them worries about this engine. Okay. Well, they've, not, they've, not yeah. out, they've not specifically said that there's a, a Hamilton engine they've had to completely retire, apart from the one that went pop in Zambor FP1. 
FB2. Yeah. Um, and that's fair enough. And they've got, then they've got essentially a really worn engine they can use in practice sessions, say, and two engines they can cycle through four, six races, one that's done one race and one that's done two or three. So that's about it. Mm. I still I, I think I think they need an extra engine in the pool. I think they should just change the rules and make it four engines because we have this every year and it just costs more for them to do the R and D, which they can't really do anymore anyway, because of this. I mean, yeah, they can do the over reliability upgrade, but that's about it. So I think just make it a four um engine limit anyway. Can't be bothered with this rule anymore. If they change it later, you have like a bigger offset to Red Bull. In terms of like engine power, like fresh, the freshness of the engines, that's another factor. Whereas now they've only got like a one race off. So if they did it in Mexico, yeah, like but you just got to do it. It's the kind of thing you just got to get over and done with, surely. Yeah, but surely, with an old the more, engine, the more you, you keep it, the more threat you have. He, he would have won this weekend 100 percent 25 well, points. If, if he'd gone another weekend, weekend, then Verstappen could well have won, probably exactly. Yeah, but win. then he'll have that uh, fresh engine for the remaining races. Like fresh yeah, but if you lose a win and have a penalty, we've had this discussion before, Nigel, if you lose a win and have a penalty, you lose more than losing a bit from one penalty. Yeah. I, we'll find I, I, out. I in... We will find out, but I don't think this is the be-all and end-all of the championship. I think... Um, oh, no, of course not. Oh. I think Verstappen's lucky that he got second in Sochi rather than Hamilton's unlucky that he didn't win this race, to be honest. But luck yeah. doesn't luck pisses me off. So let's move on. Um, <laughs> we've, we've also had this discussion. Um, Daniel Ricardo, Ricardo is written in the document by whoever put Sorry. it in there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. How many false dawns no. do we have with Daniel Ricardo this year? How many? He, he would have raised correct sunsets if we had. Is that the opposite of a false dawn? Um, mm, it... <laughs> It, is it is it a sunset? It's one. I don't know. It's a bad 11th. weekend. So I think yeah, but eleventh from a bad qualifying is all right. To be honest, yeah, it's a a like bad weekend. I think like he should have been higher. It wasn't really McLaren's track. You know, Norris could only finish seventh. It wasn't really a factor throughout the race. I thought it, you know he was. It just wasn't. Yeah, it was Ferrari seemed to be doing better, or certainly Leclerc. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, I don't know, I, I'm not that, you know, we can see in, in the next races where Ricardo pans out, but I don't think this is kind of the end of his um, Monza run. I think it's, it's a bad result, we'll see. It's another bad result. It's think. another bad result, but he's had it's lots Sochi. of other good results, and I kind of think it's the yeah. way his season's going is plus, minus, plus, minus, it peaks, troughs, it's not steady. Um, I think it's more minus. I think, I think this is more courses. like Norris's first season in McLaren in 2019, to be fair. And maybe and Norris has had time with his <clears> McLaren <throat> car and he's doing really well. Give Ricardo time, probably would be doing similar. But Norris but, was a complete rookie. Yeah, exactly. So he had an easier yeah. bet to work on, arguably. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think Ricardo, he won two races ago and then he finished fourth at Sochi. I don't think either of them were bad results. And then he's had one. Bad one here. I don't. Yeah. I, you know. I, I really don't think there's that much to look into. Drivers oh, have to bad races. No, you have drivers, to drivers have bad races to... from time to time. And you know, if if it is from time to know, time, know, you see the first no, half of the season. <laughs> so he, yeah, you know, he's, he's doing had, better. He, he's been poor this. <laughs> oh. Yeah, he's been poor this season. But if we if we take it from Monza 
then you'd expect him to not be on fire every single week. So if this is the one bad result and then he goes back to also, finishing Also, he's not like he well, was 16th and Norris was like, first. He was if, if he, or second or third. Yeah. Norris was, what, eighth in qualifying? This wasn't yeah. a McLaren if, if weekend, he goes, to be fair. If he goes and win, you know, has good performances for the rest of the season, that's fine. It's one bad result. I'm not that... It's too bad. The, the, the pace deficit door. in the Sochi, oh, three or four attempts per <clears> lap, that's not acceptable. If you're Daniel Ricciardo, and if you're having this many bad weekends, that's not acceptable. If you're Daniel Ricciardo, you can't be having these bad weekends. You can't be getting knocked out in Q1 if you're Ricciardo in the McLaren when your teammates getting Q3 every weekend. You can't be doing that. What do you want to happen? Yeah, Get into Q3. No, do you yeah, think? Do what, you think he's? Do you think he doesn't deserve to be there? What should, What should McLaren do? What should F1? Should F1 ban him? Like what? <laughs> what's the end game to? To this vitriol. Well, well vitriol. what's what should happen is we'll see how it goes, <laughs> but you can't say that he's not had a bad season. That's what we've been saying. That's what we've been saying yeah, this whole conversation. Is it just a result? We he's don't had care. a bad just season. See how he goes. We're not saying that he's had a bad season. Um, had a has he had a bad season? season? Yeah. Yes or no? He has had a bad season. He's oh, obviously okay, had a bad season. Either. You don't think you, don't, you can't seriously think we're sitting here going, "Oh my god, he he um oh, he's this far off Norris. What a great driver." It's like I don't. What's what saying here? My is that... it's not one bad result. It's you know, he's had probably eight or nine bad events this year, and that's atrocious. But, yeah, but the trend now is not good. Better. No, better. Well, the trend now is better than it was it? then. He won a race. There has been improvement. And I think did he, really... did he win a race? Did he win a race? Yes. Exactly. Win a race there well. We Those Pastor Maldonado. So was Olivier Panis. Oh yeah, Valtteri Bottas was awful this weekend. Yeah, that that result from twenty five years ago. Yeah, really Lewis Hamilton has won a world championship, it's but Ricardo, it's just winning races. Pastor Maldonado could have done that. Ricardo will continue to be behind Norris for the rest of the year. No shit. <laughs> well, and, and if he is, that's at the end of the day, enough. Nigel. At the end of the day, what you've got to accept sometimes is that F one cars are bloody hard to drive. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like, and, and we've had this there. whole rebel thing for years, and we've all we've lambasted Gasly, we've torn apart Albon, and now we're in the same position with Perez. And it's kind of like, hang on a second, maybe we've got to take a step back and have a look at have a look at F1 cars and have a look at driving styles and driving characteristics, and the fact that it's not a case of point and squirt, it's a case of caressing a car and sort of learning how to be one with it, and like. It's really hard to do, and yeah, the greats yeah. do it, and we say that. But I think it's harder than ever before. I think we're seeing that with with so much so much more now. Like you would have like someone like Michael Schumacher and Rubens Barrichello, and you'd have things like the car would be set up for one driver, but the other driver could get a bit close. And now it's 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 harder than ever before. I think to get on with the specifics of a Formula One car because the minutiae of downforce and everything is so so intricate and detailed. That there's so much more to it than I think we give them credit for, to be honest. I don't know. I, I, I can't help but some drivers you know, are better than others. Time. What do you do? No, some, some, some drivers, people give them time. But there's some, some, you know, you don't like, like Sonoda, for example, people say, oh, he's been put into F1 too early and stuff. But, you know, he, Ricardo has been similar to Sonoda, kind of. Okay, actually, hmm. No, he's Sonoda's not. Ignore that. Ricardo. Ricardo's <laughs> earned himself with a ten-year career in F1. Has earned himself time because he's proved his highs. So why can't Sonoda? 
Because he's like, because he's not been in F1 for ten years. Yeah, but you should give he's him time. He's not been racing for ten years. He's been for three years. Give him two or three years. All right, we well, are. That, we weren't yeah. talking about Sonoda. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely, I don't know what this conversation. Really if why. you'd asked me, if you'd asked me when we started this podcast, where did Ricardo finish? I wouldn't have known because I didn't care. I, I honestly, Ricardo was not a factor for me this weekend, and I don't care. Like, I, I don't think this is the like complete nadir of his season. I think it's a bad weekend. And Monaco I was. Think if he if he continue, you Austria. know, if he can bounce back from this and he can continue how he's done in the last two races before this, then that is okay. I think that is an improvement on where he was at the start of this season. At the start of the season, he didn't know the limits of the car. He was awful in Monaco because he didn't know what he could do with the car. I think he's beyond that point now and he is improving. And I think if, you know, as I say, if he can continue... I don't think he's improving. Oh my goodness. He's definitely improving, mate. Come on. What, because of one good weekend in Monza? No, not no, because a of few one good weekend weekends. in Monza, because of a few good weekends. <clears throat> a few, which, which weekends? All right, he was on the pace in the race in Silverstone. Yeah, Norris was faster, but he was on the pace. Um, he was on the pace <laughs> in... Which weekend is he oh, fine. Yeah, Belgium. He did better in Belgium because Norris binned it in the wall and Ricardo finished first. Belgium's the worst example the you could have chosen, mate. Um, look where Norris oh, really? was before he, he binned it. On the tra- um, <laughs> it was seconds in front. Um, no, but then he binned it. That's the point. R- Ricardo did get fourth. We're not yeah. disagreeing on the fact that his seasons have highs and lows. I started my point by saying that. But um, it's just, he has earned time and he has shown good results. And he's, he's, what is he in the championship? He's, what, eighth in the championship? Eighth. Anyway, he scored more points than he had to at this point with Renault last year. Um, and so, yeah, just, I mean, arguably in a bit of a better car. And yeah, yes, he should be doing more. Yes, he should be. Do- yes, you'd want the driver to be performing better. But it's a race-winning car in his hands. Like you know, it's it's a race-winning car. He's had you know more since Silverstone. He's had four top five finishes. Before that, he'd had none. He wasn't a factor at all. He you know, and he seems to have a more of a handle on where he is with the car. And yeah, I think you. Yeah, it, I, I, if you're saying it, we should give him time or if you're saying we'll wait and see, that's fine. There's there's nothing that, there's no conclusion that can come out of this. Red Bull, uh, sorry, uh, McLaren aren't going to bin him off. It's not, you know, yeah, there that, is no, right. there, there's no, there's no conclusion that yeah. comes out of this. My conclusion is his pace deficit to Norris hasn't changed that much apart from at Monza. That's my take. That's my opinion. And I don't see how, you know, Anyway, cool. let's um, <laughs> that was a segue, not a segue, segment, sector, I don't know. Tangent. The last Tangent. thing we have on the list is seems kind of pointless in comparison. Did you like that Red Bull did a white car? Yeah, I guess. Made it a bit difficult to Did spot. you like that it, it was so different to what it was um, in all the other races this year? It, was, it, it wasn't blue, it was white. It was, oh, oh, they're going to keep it as a one-off, oh. I'm trying to cause beef. Yeah, I think I think your you're... your enthusiasm for this section is really really raising it up. I um, prefer the normal livery, actually, like genuinely. I, I think too. I preferred. I liked this one in the photos, but I didn't think it worked as well on track. Mm. I mean, like in the in the pre 
race photos. Yeah. I thought it looked banging, and then I didn't think it worked out as well in track. Just as a slight tangent to that, really difficult to tell the Mercedes and the Aston Martins apart when they're starting around tenth. <laughs> like it's a, it's a, in the, on the first lap in the wet, it's a massive pain in the ass telling which is which. When the white Red Bull is qualifying very similarly on track to the white Ast- Alfa Romeo, that was annoying. That was really annoying. <laughs> I kept seeing Giovinazzi and be like, "Oh, it's Perez," and that wasn't. Um, Mick Schumacher qualified. Oh yeah, and then his best lap of the year to get into yes. Q2 in that has incredible lap. Uh, yeah, it's a shame in the race, obviously, with what happened with Alonso. But yeah, mega mega job on Saturday from Schumacher. It was a mega job on Saturday. We should definitely touch on that. I mean, it was a shame he was tapped by Alonso, but he probably wouldn't have finished higher than 19th anyway. But that's really, really good, I think. Um, and testament, you know, he's, he's, he's getting to it as a driver in there. Um, we've said about, um, we know about Mick's junior career, that if he's given a bit of time, he can start performing pretty well. And I'm not we shouldn't get any time. He's awful. We shouldn't get any time. But <laughs> he's not. He's proving with time. He's performing. And I think next year, maybe we'll see some pretty decent stuff from Mick if the Haas... Um, if the Haas uh, plan of not developing this year at all works, who knows where Mick will be next year? Yeah, 2.9 seconds, 2.9 seconds ahead of Masvid as well. Uh, I think it was four seconds ahead of Sochi, so two consecutive weekends. Hey, 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 give Masvid time. <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying this because I'm going over my own argument. Anyway. <laughs> Adam, do you have anything to add on Mick Schumacher? Well, that was a really awkward moment for a second yeah. there, wasn't there? <laughs> I, I thought Adam was going to say something. I don't think it was that awkward. <laughs> no, I was, uh, I've not got anything to say on Mick Schumacher. He's, we got yeah. Anything to say on the race weekend that we haven't mentioned so far? Uh, we have mentioned it. The whole podcast is about it. There's uh, uh-huh. David, David Coulthard <laughs> in... Coventry said something like but did he, finish? He, said, oh. he said he said two banging one-liners one of them I forgot but one of them was like oh, it'd be great <laughs> if they had like a scrubbed intermediate set or like he went on this whole like this whole thing about how good it'd be if they had a scrubbed intermediate set um, it'd been great and then at the end at the end he just said but none of them have it so <laughs> it's not like a really really pointless thing to say it's like oh, it'd be great if they were like in rally cars but none of them are so I guess we'll just have to do like I don't know <laughs> just I like that that's the literally the only thing I had to say on this um, I've got one final question put to put to the two of you to round out God. this you know, this podcast has been all over the place, let's be honest. Um, I've liked it. I've liked it. I think it's been great. I have as well. Um, yeah, I think it's a great time. <laughs> um, do you think the race would have been better if it was a dry race, Adam? Oh, that's an interesting one. You've reminded me of something there, actually. Hmm. I'll let you go first then. Because a lot of people, from what I saw, said, oh, it was quite dull, it was boring, you know, especially for a wet race, which it probably was. But I loved you know the purity of it because we haven't seen you know there's no drs great track tough conditions and we saw proper hard racing if there was drs we would have seen more flybys and stuff it probably would have helped uh how to move, move up the order a bit but you know i kind of loved the pure racing side of it which we had which was kind of different to some to the racing we've had from what since drs has been introduced so yeah i quite I quite enjoyed it 
overall. So if it was draw, we would have had the RS. It would have been a completely, completely different race. So yeah, I thought I thought it was a pretty good race to be honest. I oh, I don't know. I I think I know it's a horrible question because we have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm going to say no. That you know, I, I just have kind of gut feeling more than anything else. I think. I think the the kind of thing I'd add to that though is that like if Turkey doesn't make it back on next year, then I think it would be a shame not to see like to not to see a dry race like over the two races we've just had wet. So I think that's the only thing I kind of tag on really. To I think that, but... it's weird this, but I feel like because of the weird conditions that we did have on the Saturday, the Sunday, sorry, um, which was strange as hell. I think if it had been dry, you would have got a really interesting two-stop, one-stop race. And yeah. I think that was, looking at the tyres, the soft tyre performance, on, I mean, there was such a desperation to qualify in the medium to get into Q3 um, in on on Sunday. Saturday, oh, I'll get my days mixed up. I can't even, I need to go to school. Um, <laughs> but I think you could have had a really interesting race, but it would have been so different. And what we did get, to be fair, was a really weird race, which kind of made it interesting all the way through in my eyes. It's like, what's going to happen here for the whole thing? So particularly when Leclerc decided to go to the, for the win, that was actually really exciting. I found that amazing. Um, I think, and, I, Yeah, I think it was good. I agree. And with you like things like Houghton, you would have just breezed past Perez. We wouldn't, we wouldn't have had that, you know, those racing through a few corners and stuff. So, you know, I think it was, kind of nice to have those conditions not to have DRS and, and yet we still got some good racing I thought yeah I agree with Adam it'd be nice to see a, a dry race there but also I agree yeah. with you that um, it was such a unique race it was interesting um, yeah. Turkey's given us two very weird unique races in as many se- in as many seasons <laughs> and I I mean everyone's saying oh, I'm so glad we got grip here and that kind of thing and I, I agree I love seeing that qualifying those qualifying times were brilliant. Um, but I do kind of a little bit of a bit like, oh, it's not really slippy. Damn it. Because I think it would have been amazing <laughs> if we had another just weekend where they're just like driving around the nice rink and the lap times are split by 20 seconds. And no one knows what's going to happen. I think that I kind of last the year when Turkey off. was soaking wet, I was a bit like, oh, I kind of wish it had been dry. It would have been amazing. It would have been so weird if last year's race was dry. Mm. Um, you just had like Lance Stroll on pole, but then what would have happened and the lap times are one minute 40 and stuff like that it's great um but yeah we've gone on for a long time on this podcast i'm gonna to do some clever yes. editing to make it make it actually the file size small enough for me to be allowed to upload it um it's gonna be a nightmare getting this on youtube but anyway um that's not your problem dear listener well uh, i mean if people are watching this then they if they're at this succeeded bit, if they're at this yeah. bit then i am astonished <laughs> <laughs> yeah thanks Taib honestly we should just just do pog, just do a zoom call invite Taib us three talk and that's it that's the podcast yeah don't don't record it <laughs> it's, 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 oh we do ticketed events no we don't we just invite Taib ticketed event oh yeah. that would be the drill that people seven we're going to play quid. the roundhouse in, in Croydon um, we have like Patreon not Croydon tier, just have the Taib tier yeah. and the only person in it is Taib yeah in other news if you wanted to set up a Patreon Taib, please, by all means. That will happily have you pay us. Um, anyway, um, thanks guys for joining me for this podcast. I've really enjoyed your presence. Um, yeah. It's Didn't been great. You it's not your birthday. 
Oh, oh, Adam makes it joke. sad. That's a good joke. Adam makes it really upsetting. Even <laughs> on that really annoying note, we're going to end. Bye, guys. Ugh. Bye. I nearly ended the meeting rather than pressing.